It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What up, world? The past first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen, coming at you Monday through Friday, each and every weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine and tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we are going to preview the matchup with the Kings. Everything you need to know from the injury report Scoot Anderson's name is on it to what the Kings have been up to and what the Blazers can expect when they kick off a three-game road trip in Sacramento. And we'll close the show with a new segment called You'd Love to See It. Some ideas for the Blazers to jumpstart or at least experiment with their worst offense in the league. What are they going to do? Be worse? They're already 30th. Uh, I've got some experimentation and some goals in the in the segment that I'll offer up in the final final segment of the show in the things you'd love to see because you really would love to see it if it happens. Uh, here's what you need to know. Let's start there for the Kings um, matchup. Uh, the way it is now for the Blazers, one of the most important things is the day the ding dang injury report. Every time is out till December. That's going to be there. Rob Williams is out for a long time, potentially the rest of the season, um, and we will get some clarity on what uh, direction him and his people have decided to go uh, in the, in the f- near future. But uh, you know, several months to the rest of the year. So Rob Williams is on there for a long time. Ish Smith remains on the injury report with a calf injury, but Sco- Scoot is the big one, right? Because in many ways, this season is—it's not like solely about this. But it is importantly about Scoot's development, right? Like this, an important part of this season is how Scoot Henderson can develop and take steps to becoming a good NBA player. And not playing makes it harder to take those steps. So, him, his name still being on there is a bummer. But I don't think it is like this deeply held conspiracy he's missed a week like like he has a sprained ankle and he's he's, he's, this will be a this will be a week out of action um that's not a crazy long time the blazers have this weird road trip they're kicking off this road trip as i mentioned in sacramento that's on wednesday then thursday friday saturday they have off before sunday and tuesday they play the the lakers on sunday in la and tuesday they play the jazz in uh, salt lake city that's a in-season tournament game so we'll look out for a funky court in that one um 
Blazers will probably be back. I assume they'll travel back. Uh, they're usually a stay-over team, so they'll stay over Wednesday night, travel back to Portland on Thursday, hang out Friday, travel to L.A. on Saturday. So they actually, a road trip will be back in town. <laughs> It'll be even more air miles, but um, at least they'll get to sleep in their own beds for a couple, night, a couple nights. If Scoot were to come back Sunday, he would have 11 days off from from the injury I, I think Sunday is a day to say like yeah that that ma- that to me makes sense for when he would return if he's not available in that one I don't know it's not, it's not like reason to panic or anything but it would be just like oh this is like a, this is probably a bigger thing if you miss more than 10 days then it's like oh this could be like this is maybe like a a more serious injury than we know about but a week from the sprained ankle is like yeah you miss you, you miss four games because you sprained your ankle it's basketball it happens um I don't think this is just an observation. I, this is like not not a maybe not even meaningful to you if you don't work in the media, but I do work in the media a little bit, uh, or at least I uh, I do some work in the media space. But um, I don't think the Blazers help themselves by the way they do the the, the amount of information they give out on publicly about injuries. Uh, the way that they release information is very limited. They only put out like. Formal press releases when stuff when something really bad happens, it's like the, like here you go, here's a press release. You know it's really bad. And the press release about injuries always it's like it's very bad news. But when it's just like a run of the mill, like hey, he's gonna miss ten days, uh, they don't. They're they're um, the information they put out publicly is a little bit. I mean, not a ton, no one in the league like is really really open with this stuff. But the Blazers are particularly bad with with publicly sharing information about injuries they're 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 they keep a tight lip on it and and billups chauncey billups to his credit often offers is the person who offers the most clarity but he'll usually say things like yeah he's day-to-day we'll see we'll see um and then, and then you have to parse it um you know the worst example of this is that they were so bad with what they did how they um kind of addressed the strange gary payton injury that eventually chauncey billups kind of had to say like in many ways like throw Peyton throw GP under the bus um that, that was like its own different thing but um they're just it's just weird it's weird with it so speaking of that here's what we know from John Spillows Scoot Anderson has worked out prior to each of the last couple home games uh when I was at uh Friday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies he worked out he was all taped up like he was he was out there getting getting at least some version of a you know shooting workout in and he was watching film with uh with Pooh Jetter and with coach Steve Hetzel and they're pouring over film and um even at one point Hetzel got up and kind of showed him a pivot move and I from the way he pivoted I think it was like how to how to deal with a screen when it comes if you want to spin away and reject a screen and stuff like that 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 was my my read on 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 the way that 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 you know, they were working together, but like Scoot's working, right? He's working. And Billups told reporters, and I saw, saw this reported by Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian, that, um, that, uh, Scoot has not gone through a full workout. So he's doing shooting stuff, but he, he had not gone, uh, at practice, he had not gone through a full workout. He's getting closer, doing more, but had not gone through a full workout. It just stinks. It's a bummer. Um, it's not, um, Again, no, no, no reason to panic. The only reason you would panic is because the Blazers have been so consistently bizarre with injury information that if that when they don't share stuff, it makes you think it could be worse than it is. But they're not alone among teams that don't share injury information. Um, they, they just have a recent example of this type of thing going really bad for them. Um, but 
the injury report is the biggest thing. The other thing is matters is the matchup, right? Like it's not, I don't know if it's the biggest thing, but it's a big thing right now. It's, Scoot's availability is, is, is paramount to the season and all of that. But the matchup with the Kings is um, a curiously winnable game because the Kings are scuffling to begin the season. They have not been good and they're missing De'Aaron Fox. Let's talk about how in the ways in which they haven't been good and what's been going on in Sacramento and how they match up with the Trailblazers. We'll do all of that in the second segment. But first... I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. I play Prize Picks on my phone, uh, but you can also do it on PrizePicks.com if you're not an app person. But I like the app; it's super easy to use. I can make an entry in under I don't know under under two minutes. Sometimes I'm a little choosier. It maybe takes me three and a half minutes, but super super quick, um, super easy to use. And um, Here's how it works. You pick between two and six players on your on on every entry that you make. You can mix and match sports. So you can right now, uh, you know, over the weekend, you could play the NBA and NFL games. You could play NBA and NHL games. But for me, I'm most comfortable with the NBA. So I'm I'm picking between two and six players, and it's just you versus the projections set by Prize Picks. Things like rebounds, points, steals, assists. Um, it's Price pick sets the sets the lines, and you just pick more or less than the projections that they got out there. And it's not you versus the field or sharks or all of those things. Just you versus the numbers that Price Picks has out there. So why not get started today? Take advantage of and of how fun it is and how fun and simple it is. Plus. Get a little money at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the promo code LockedOnNBA for first deposit match up to $100. That means when you sign up at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and you use that code LockedOnNBA, you can get a dollar for dollar match up to $100. Bucks. Put in $50 in the match of $50. Bucks. Put in $20, they'll match of $50. Bucks. Whatever it is. But you got to use that promo code LockedOnNBA and you got to go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. It's PrizePicks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right. So, matchup with the Kings. The Scuffling Kings. The Scuffling Kings coming back to home after getting walloped in back-to-back games. The Scuffling Kings missing their point guard. But the Scuffling Kings coming back home after getting beat down. They have lost three in a row, all without De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox got injured at the end of a uh, their matchup against the Lakers. The, the Kings held on and won and won that game against the Lakers. Malik Monk was great. Kevin Herter hit a couple late threes. And um, 
the Lakers only play close games and sometimes they lose them and they lost that when the Kings delivered late against the Lakers. Then Kings play another close game and barely lose to the Warriors at the buzzer. That game, De'Aaron Fox did not play and Klay Thompson hits a buzzer beater and sometimes that's that unlucky. Two good teams, LA and LA, the Lakers, I think I think the Lakers are good. My, my impression is that the Lakers are good and I think the Warriors are also pretty darn good. But they lose those two games. Then they come back and they face the Rockets twice. And they, the Rockets just wipe the court with them, beat them by 18. And they come back and beat them by 25. Uh, the, the, just two beatdowns, you know, and a beat to, like coming off, of, you, you lose to the Rockets at home by, or you lose the Rockets at, on the road by 18. Okay. Well, hey, it happens. It's the NBA. You're going to get blown out some nights, whatever. That's why we play 82 of these things because some nights you're just not going to have it. They come back and they get walloped again. Sabonis has, Demonis Sabonis has really struggled. Uh, Harrison Barnes really struggled in the second matchup. And they just, the offense has not been as good as it's been. Last year, they were the best offense in the history of the league in terms of of points per possession efficiency. That has more to do with the era, like important, like the historical context, like the greatest offense of all time, I think is, it would need to be like relative to the league to be meaningful. What the Kings had was a damn good offense last year. They were awesome. And they're still playing to who, whom they want to be. They play fast. They shoot a ton of threes. 42 and a half threes per game. The second most three point, three point attempts in the NBA this season. Like they're going to run and they're going to get shots up. That's, that's the real truth. Um, I think a key for them is that De'Aaron Fox is so crucial, has been like so, so consistently crucial to kind of getting them what they want to do. And last year they won a bunch of close games because De'Aaron Fox is so darn clutch. They could just get into the half court and he could go score. But they still spread the court out and shoot a ton of threes. And without him, Davion Mitchell starting Kevin Herter, starting Malik Monk's going to play some guard minutes off the bench. Um, they're still going to spread you out and they're going to try to run offense through Sabonis as a handoff hub. Um, when he, when he is a hub, he is the crucial to what they, what they do. Like when he, when he is playmaking and scoring and rebounding, he is, I mean, he's an all-star, right? Like he, he, he gets them going even without Fox, but Fox is in there. He's like, you know, it's one of the best offensive players in the league. Um, and, but even without him, their style is very similar. Spread you out, play through Sabonis at the at the high post, play him out of the out of the um, out of the post, particularly on the right on the right block, so he can use his left hand because he's super super duper left handed. He's a good passer. He's he has good touch with that left hand. He's he's physical as heck when he gets down into the post, and they want to shoot a ton of threes. Here is a stat, courtesy of Matt George, host of Locked On Kings. Matt does a great job over at Locked On Kings. If you want to check uh, check out that show, strong recommend. Matt Matt's Truly one of the best. Matt shared this on social media today. The Kings lead the NBA with 25.3 wide open threes generated a night. 25.3. That means of the 42 they're taking, 42 and a half, let's round up, let's call it 43 they're taking. 25 of them are wide open. That means no defender within six feet. They are generating good looks. They just haven't made them. They're making... Uh, the th- just 35, basically 36, if you round up, 35.6% uh, of their wide open threes. 
That's the 22nd best mark in the league among shots without a defender within six feet, according to NBA.com. Thanks, Matt, for sharing this one. Uh, that reads to me that the Kings are due for one of those nights where they make them. Good process usually leads to good results over the long haul, and the two and four Kings seem to be having seems to be generating pretty. It's a pretty good process, right? Generating a bunch of open looks from three. That's that seems to be good process. Is this a get right game? I don't know. I don't know if it's a get right game for the Kings. Maybe the Kings aren't going to get right, but I think this is um, a team that is coming off two bad road losses, coming back home. Uh, after a day off, and that has generally has an offense that was excellent last season, has basically all of the same parts, and has been doing what they want to do, generate good-looking shots from three. That's a little bit scary. <laughs> I would say that's a little bit scary. Um, the other thing to know in general about about your beloved Kings, which I think it's a little early. It's for me, it's a little early to cite uh, like offensive and defensive rating, but the Kings are a bottom 10 offense and a bottom 10 defense right now through their first six games. Um, the offense just has not been good. It was really special last year. It, it has not been good yet. Uh, in terms of how they match up with the Blazers, they're going to play pretty big. Like um, they... They, you know, Demontis Sabonis is going to start, so they're going to play a traditional center. They don't, you know, their forwards are Keegan Murray and um and 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 Harrison Barnes, so they're not like gigantic at the four and the five, but they they're going to play big off the bench too because Javale McGee plays, um and and that's just that that is a challenge right now for the Portland Trailblazers because they don't have that many bigs, right? Like that that that's. Without Rob Williams, they don't have a ton of bigs. Like, um, you know, you're not going to get a ton, a ton, a ton of minutes of JaVale, but you're going to get, you're going to get a little bit of it. And then they're going to play a little bit of small ball maybe in there too. But, um, but for the most part, they keep a traditional center in the games that have been competitive. They kept a traditional center on the court at all times. They're going to get JaVale and you're going to get Sabonis which means that the Blazers are probably going to have to make a decision to play a real center off the bench, whether that's Duop Reef, the two-way guy uh, who has who's yet to appear would be making his NBA debut, or Moses Brown, who would be making his what I'll call re-debut with the Blazers after um, some two-way appearances in his in his rookie season in the league. And, and Moses Brown has not played yet, although he has been on the active roster because he has an NBA deal, not a two-way deal. Uh, just because... The other option, the option the Blazers have been more comfortable with, has been going with Jabari Walker and Tumani Kamara up front. And Walker is maybe like nominally the the five, but it's like you're playing a, a small front line with with Kamara and uh, and 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 Walker. I think like it's not like Javale McGee is going to post up, so that that's not what you're worried about. What you're worried about is offensive rebounding. Can you can you survive that? And the lobs, right? There's like. Can because JaVale is still long and big, and, and also hold on, real quick. JaVale McGee wears double zero and a headband, he looks like freaking Willie Collie McGee out there. Um, I cannot every time I've watched the Kings this year, I've watched like uh, three halves of their games. I've not watched an entire game yet, but I've watched I've, I watched that Laker game and I watched the that Warriors game. Uh, that I watched second half of both those. Um, but like 
every time I see JaVale, I think it's freaking Willie Cauley Stein. <laughs> I can't stop. But I think the problem matchup wise is the vertical threat. Like, is pick and roll, dive to the rim, throw it up top. Um, it's not like Tamani Kamara won't try to get up there and make it make it a, an issue. It's just like, can JaVale get up to 12 and a half feet still? Yeah, probably he can. I don't know if the Blazers can go small and make that happen. I don't know that Moses Brown is a solution there, but at least he's big. Like the thing that Moses Brown is, is very, very large. Um, skinny, but very large. Uh, so I think that that's a matchup to know. I think how, you know, I think the Aiden and Sabonis matchup is, is fun. Um, and I think that I, uh, quite frankly, I think that the Harrison Barnes and, 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 um, and Jeremy Grant matchup is fun. Kings play fast. They shoot a ton of threes. Uh, the Blazers, you know, you can't really prevent a team from taking threes. That's not how the league works. If the Kings want to shoot 43s, they're going to shoot 43s. You can limit their attempts a little bit. Like you probably cut them down to like, if you really lock them up, you cut them down to like 33, but they're going to take 30, 35 threes. If even if they have a night where you play really good defense, they're going to take 35 threes. Like it's just, um, you, you can do a little bit to limit their attempts. It's just like, how can, how many in rhythm good looks do they get? They've generated a bunch of open ones. Um, I think that's that's crucial, and I think that big man matchup off the bench will be will be interesting to see how the Blazers play that. Uh, but I got some other ideas. What I'll call wouldn't it? You'd love to see it. I was going to call it wouldn't it be nice, but I don't want the Beach Boys to to sue me. Um, you'd love to see it. Here's some things I would love to see in this matchup with the Kings. Hint, hint. Give DeAndre Ayton the rock. Or at least let him shoot the dang ball. Let's talk about uh, things I'd love to see and you'd love to see it too against against the Sacramento on Wednesday uh, to, in the third segment to close the show. First, let me tell you that today's show brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, right now is a great time to get involved with FanDuel. If you've never, if you are a first time user, I got I got great. Great news for you because new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. So right now on FanDuel, the Blazers are dogs. They're, they are they are dogs to win seven and a half point, seven and a half point underdogs. You could get the Blazers, as I'm looking at it right now, at plus 220 to win the game on the money line. You bet $5 on the Blazers to win. They get that win in Sacramento. It's $150. Bonus bets. Then you can bet on everything from spreads to player props to over-unders and more, not just money line bets, but whatever you want to do to, to take advantage of this offer. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on uh you don't want to bet on the the blazers you you know you don't want to bet with your heart you want to bet with your brain well guess what we're getting we're looking at a whole weekend full of of nfl games um you know i've been i've really been pimping out that germany game with uh for for the colts but uh week 10 doesn't just have games in germany it's got panthers bears on thursday night that's a one win team and a two win team how about it? How about go? How about if you're a new customer, go make a five dollar bet on the money line at FanDuel.com/slash locked on NBA. Get your get your get your bonus bets, hundred and fifty dollars. FanDuel, it's America's number one sports book. Kick off the NFL season. Check out FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. <laughs> 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Still a pass first point guard. I'm still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about the Kings matchup. Talked about Sabonis struggling and him playing as a hub and them generating a whole bunch of threes and JaVale McGee's size off the bench will challenge what the Blazers do with their backup big man minutes. Let's not focus on the Kings. I mean, we're still focusing on the Kings because that's the game. Tonight, you're listening to Wednesday, November 8th's episode. Hope you got out there and voted. Or if you live in Oregon, I hope you sent your ballot in. Uh, But let's talk about things you'd love to see. Talk about things you'd love to see in this game. Here's some things I'd love to see. I'd love to see DeAndre Ayton shoot the ball 14 times. His season high for field goal attempts is 13. Portland has the worst offense in the league. They're last in the NBA in points per possession. Their offensive rating 30th. Ayton is an imperfect player. You can't really throw it to him in the post. One, shooting issues. There's just like, the Blazers don't have shooters. He'll get double teams. They'll send four guys around him in the paint. Uh, they will help off shooters, or non-shooters in this case. One, he can be a little slow, and in the like he wants to get to that right-handed hook, so he can be a little slow and deliberate. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not always acting super quick. And he's, Aiden is um, not a great passer. So when the double team does come, if you don't act super quick, and he's a capable of, he's much, uh, he can go up really quickly as mid-range jump shot. He's not as fast with his post moves, but I'm, I certainly he could get there. Um, but because he's not a great passer, when the double team comes, it's like you don't get the advantage of, of creating a double team, right? Uh, you don't get the scramble. You don't get the, you don't get cutters as easily because it's just like he's not a natural passer out of the post. It's just not, it's not a skill. So like it is what it is. He's an imperfect player. But the Blazers' offense is the worst in the NBA. What's, <clears throat> excuse me, what, what is there to lose by getting DeAndre Ayton 14 shot attempts? Some of that's on him. Shoot the ball. Like, go be aggressive and shoot the ball. Come, demand the ball in the post. I, I mentioned this in a previous show, but I think the big problem with the Blazers is, is like, they're missing some pick-and-roll guys, more on that in a second. So they don't have, like, a great operator with, with D.A. as, as, as a pick-and-roll player. You know, they're just, they're they're down their best pick-and-roll point guards. Uh, Brogdon has really struggled as a, as a pick-and-roll guard. Um, he's good. He creates his own shot off the dribble, gets himself to the rim, but he has not been super effective as a pick-and-roll a pick playmaker. Although he's made some awesome passes coming off screens this year that his teammates have not cashed in on. Certainly the best passer on the roster by a, by a wide margin, currently healthy. So, like, I don't, you're not, you're just not going to get, D, like, some of it is DA's, is, is DA's challenges as his, like, with his skill sets. But, what if they could find him mid-range jumpers? Like, what if they run more actions? And I and I'd like to see this. This is a thing I would love to see: is actions that have engaged three players off the ball 
in or at least two of them off the ball as while DA is getting into a side pick and roll. So you have the the far weak side, you know, have the guys switch places, have them screen for each other, have one of them set a flare, have one of them set a pin down. So those players have to be engaged and can't help as easily. And then have Aiden cut his roll short because that's where he's comfortable with and take a mid-range jumper. Have him shoot 14 shots. I'd love to see it. I love to see it. I love to see him just be aggressive. Um, some of that's on him. Some of that's on the coaching staff to get him in better spots. It's a combo for sure. I think this is a little more. It's a, it's nuanced, right? Because it's his own skill set. It's a skill set of his coworkers, and I don't think the Blazers have come. I think the plan that the Blazers had for DeAndre Ayton was he's going to run pick and rolls with every time he's going to be pretty good at it, and then every time he's got hurt, and it's like, huh. And there's like, he's going to run pick and rolls with Scoot and they're going to figure it out. And then Scoot gets hurt and it's like, huh, well, okay, you're down to plan C now. Plan C has got to be like, let's just get DeAndre shots. Let's get him shots. Let's figure out how to get him shots. Even if maybe pick and rolls aren't the spot. Um, I don't love the like elbow touch ISO jump shot. That's just a hard shot for him, even though he would love it. He would be totally comfortable with it. It's just hard. So little pick and rolls or a little, um, even a post isolation. Here's what I'd love to see. Blaze used to do this all the time last year. I'll tell you what. I won some money betting on this. Yusuf Nurkic would get the first shot of every game. They would run various little cross screens for him. Uh, particularly, you know, he would he would set a, a down screen to bring a guy up. Then they'd set a cross screen. They'd swing the ball during that cross screen. So it's like he's on the far side. He sets, he sets a pin down. The player comes up to the top of the key. Uh, Nurkic is on the the you know the far side of the of the block or on on the, the strong side to begin with. The ball rotates to the weak side. They set a screen and bring and bring Nurk over to what is now the strong side where the ball is and run a post up for him. So there's you know four or five players movement. There's multiple screens and then he just gets to shoot it. Sometimes he would score. That's I'd be betting on Yusuf Nurkic first bucket, but like. If nothing else, he just gets a shot right away. He just gets to feel like he's involved. And I think they, they need to do more of that for DeAndre Ayton. So that's what I'd love to see. The other thing I'd love to see is Shaden Sharp run pick and rolls. Uh, he's done a little bit. He's been really good shooting behind screens on pick and rolls. Uh, he's, he's really comfortable there. He is not a high-level passer. So, like saying like oh yeah just get, like put him in pick and roll it's probably actually not that good of a plan i totally recognize this because he doesn't make high level reads like you know several layers of the defense reading the help okay the help's going to be here well there's going to be like he just doesn't make those yet but the way he can learn to make those is by running them and i'll say it again the offense already sucks <laughs> What's the risk? What are you going to do? Be the worst, worst, worstest? They're already bad. This is a development, like a, like this is just like a, like development investment in Shaden Sharp, right? Development investment in Shaden Sharp. Right now, he, according to uh, the tracking data from NBA.com, he's running 4.7 pick and rolls per game. Uh, the league leaders are running in the like low double digits. Uh, Cade Cunningham running 12.6 screens a game. The league leaders are in the double digits. Trey Young's running like 10 or 11. That's that's the that's sort of the the number for like the high volume guys. About 10 pick and roll ball handler plays a game where it's like, let me go operate. Shane's running half of that. Let's meet in the middle. Let's call it seven. Eight? Maybe eight? Generously? Let's call it eight. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, according to NBA.com stats, nine pick and roll actions a game as the as the primary ball handler. Let's get sharp up to eight. 
Let's get him eight pick and rolls. Let's get him pick and rolls with DeAndre Ayton. Let's get the shooting of Shaden Sharp when he's a pretty comfortable off the dribble shooter as a, taking mid-range jumpers and taking um and taking threes. So bonus is probably most comfortable playing low off screens. He'll come up a little bit. Uh, the 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 he will he will be at the level, but uh, like. Let Sharp go at DeMontis Sabonis a lot as a screener. Let him go at JaVale McGee a lot as a screener. Let DA be the guy who sets those screens and try to spread them out. Uh, is Can you run... The Blazers do not really have a way to put enough shooting on the floor for it to be um, for it to be Shaden Sharp and DeAndre Aiden and shooters. Like, they just don't. Damani Kamara is not a shooter yet. Matisse Thibel's not a shooter yet. Walker's not a shooter yet. You're always going to have someone that is that people are comfortable helping off of and pick and rolls. And, and like I said, Sharp isn't this crazy passer yet. But when he ran a bunch of on ball opportunities, when he had a bunch of on ball opportunities at the end of last year, he showed that he was um, he made he didn't make great passes, but he made the reads right. Like he made the he made the he physically knew where to pass the ball, even if the pass itself was a little off target. I'd love to see it. You'd love to see it. More more Shaden Sharp pick and rolls. More DeAndre Ayton. Just, I don't have a great plan for him. You know, more movement sets where, where he sets a pick and roll on the, on, on the side, not in the middle of the court because it's easier to help in the, in the middle of the court off non-shooters. Uh, in real life, like in the mo- modern NBA offenses, it's harder to help in the middle because, uh, because of uh, shooting. But, you know, empty side pick and rolls is like a really common action, right? You clear out one side and run a pick and roll so the help has further to come. Uh, I think that's the movement that sets up those empty side pick and rolls is the way to get D.A., going in some form or fashion it's not perfect but it's it's there and i want to see shaden sharp operate with the ball in his hands as a as a pick and roll decision maker as a lead guard decision maker that might like legitimately i want to say this about the sharp thing and then and then i'll get out of here that might be worse than running shaden sharp off pin downs like it might be a worse outcome but they're already awful on offense and I want him to develop into the next thing. And what better time to like, while Scoot is out and while Ant is out, this is the time to kind of like let Shaden Sharp spread his wings. Do it. Let him spread his wings. Let my man soar. Um, If he comes, if he flies too close to the sun, they'll end up where they are right now, which is 30th in offense. It's fine. Okay. Wednesday's game, uh, Wednesday show. You listen to it now. Uh, is the Kings. They play the Kings tonight. Thursday, we will talk about the Kings game. Friday, we'll look ahead to the matchup with the Lakers, uh, which is on Sunday. And we'll talk other fun stuff from around the league. That's what we do five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Tell your friends about the program. I appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 